Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dan Feldman here. Welcome to Locked On Pistons. You can follow on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. The Pistons got spanked by the Clippers last night. Ended up losing by 32. They were down by more than 40 at one point. They got down by 20 in the blink of an eye. It was just an all-around beatdown. And it's not great for the Pistons, uh, but I would not overreact to this. The Clippers are the best team the Pistons have faced, and they definitely looked the part last night. Chris Paul absolutely tore up Ish Smith on both ends of the floor. And that's going to happen. Chris Paul is, is an all-time great player. He's going to make a lot of starting point guards look silly. To have him matched up against somebody who should be a backup is just a huge problem to overcome. And Chris Paul just helped the Clippers just completely dictate the pace when the Clippers had the ball. And he made it hard enough for the Pistons when they had the ball. Uh, But the Clippers offense, especially early, just looked unstoppable. Just to me, maybe you had a different experience watching the game, but it didn't really feel like, oh man, the Pistons were screwing up over and over. The Clippers were, you know, just going on this this run. It was just such a sustained thing. The Clippers' offense was operating at such a, an incredible level, and it just sort of felt sustained. And that started with Chris Paul. Uh, that continued to to Blake Griffin, who's quietly become. Uh, just a really, really good all-around player. His passing ability to keep the ball moving. He can get the ball from Chris Paul in a short roll. Uh, DeAndre Jordan was a force inside. J.J. Redick moving really well with without the ball. This is just what the Clippers do. I mean, this was them at their best. And it would have been nice if the Pistons put up more defensive resistance. But this is what the Clippers do. you got to have a little perspective on this. They're a cohesive team. They're a very good team. They might be playing the best basketball in the league right now. And the Clippers, you know, they had the Pistons at home. It was just a good situation for them. And, no, that's not good for Detroit that they're the type of team that can get run over. But the Pistons aren't as good as the Clippers. I think we know that. We can say that. We can uh, say that reasonably, objectively, and, and not feel bad about that. No, the Pistons need to bridge the gap a little bit. They don't need to finish the year better than the Clippers. They're not in a competition with the Clippers. But the Pistons need to become a better team than they looked like last night. But sometimes in the NBA, it's a long season. You're just going to run into a team better than you and not have it. And a key part of that is you're missing your own starting point guard. And so the Pistons were just overmatched. And I think that explains part of what Stan Van Gundy said after the game. Uh, He took... He took some of the blame, and you know he said he definitely didn't have the Pistons prepared, uh, prepared on offense. 
which I think is you know, probably somewhat true. I mean, the the thing Van Gundy pinned on, I think there was a lot to this was, and this is something he's talked about all season as a concern, and this is often when the Pistons' offense goes awry, is they run their initial action, it doesn't pan out, uh, and then it turns into isolation or or just a real uh, tough pose- possession with not much going on. What he wants to see it get to is, okay, you run your initial action, that doesn't work, that turns into something else, gets the ball moving side to side, creates something else where it's really just one action, and then, okay, well, whoever has the ball, let's see what they can create off the dribble. And Yeah, that was a, definitely a problem against the Clippers, and Van Gundy took the blame. I think he might have done that in part just because, well, what is there to say? The effort wasn't, I didn't think, real bad or anything. It, you know, the, the Pistons weren't gritty. They weren't hustling. They weren't physical. They didn't make the Clippers feel them. But I also think the Pistons were trying. And that's a fine line, but, uh, you know, I just think they ran into a really good team and there's not much you can do and you don't want to blame the players for just not being good enough because sometimes you just aren't good enough. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, J.J. Redick, the Clippers are very good. The Pistons cannot match them in basketball ability right now. And so you don't want to hang your head on it. So Stan Van Gundy can take the blame, keep it moving. And that's where the Pistons are at. They do have to keep it moving. Uh, the tough part is they're going to be on this this road trip for three more games. They're going to have another game against a very good opponent in the Spurs, but the other two games against the Suns and Nuggets are very winnable, even on the road. However, and if you've been listening, I've said multiple times that I don't think there's a big problem where the Pistons are a really good home team and really bad road team. However, the Pistons are 4-0 at home and now 0-3 on the road. So at some point, I would like some evidence to back me up on this because the best two teams the Pistons have played have been the Clippers and the Raptors, and both of those were road games. The only back-to-back the Pistons have played, the second leg was a road game, and that was against the Nets. And so not that those losses are quote-unquote okay, and especially against the Nets, but... They're understandable. And playing some of these weaker teams at home and being well-rested, winning those is also understandable. So I don't think the Pistons are going to be perfect at home. I don't think they'll be uh, winless on the road. I think the they're going to be right in line with a typical team. I don't see really any evidence that the Pistons are abnormally good at home or abnormally bad on the road. But at a certain point, they've got to win a road game and I guess lose a home game, <laughs> but really we'll take it as winning a road game uh, so I can feel better about saying this over and over. The big way to get that going, you're going to need a lot more from the the starting backcourt. Ish Smith and Contavious Caldwell Pope are one of 15 against the Clippers. That's not going to get it done. That's why the offense wasn't working when, when your guards are just that inept, when they score three points combined, you just can't win that way. It's just too much to overcome. Andre Drummond, yeah, he played reasonably well. He was the Pistons' best player, as he should be. This might not have been an ideal game for him, uh, but it was no cause for concern or anything, not like the Nets game. You know, This was a continuation of the Nuggets game where he was playing well and with good energy. And No, it's not always going to be perfect from him, but, but he was not why they lost. He did enough. 
It's when the guards are that bad. And Beno Udra, as the backup point guard, he was one for eight. That's just too little offense from your guards. It's too much to overcome. Reggie Jackson's going to help once he comes back. He'll slide Ish Smith back to backup point guard. He'll slide Beno Udra probably out of the rotation, although maybe he still gets a couple minutes in spot situations. But everything should flow better when Reggie Jackson gets back. You're just going to have games like this where you run into a really good team like the Clippers and look really bad. Because this game was in L.A., that meant Tom Gores was there. He's based in Southern California, so he'll show up to some games in Detroit each year, but it's pretty much a given at this point when the Pistons are in L.A., Gores will be there. Uh, And he talked about Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and he used the word confident, that the Pistons are quote-unquote confident about KCP, and presumably... That means re-signing KCP, who'll be a restricted free agent. Pistons did not agree to a contract extension with him by the deadline. And it's not really something you have to be confident about. He's a restricted free agent. If you want to keep him, you can keep him. You can match any offer. Now, there are some reasons where you should question the confidence of whether it means like, well, is he coming back on the qualifying offer? Is he coming back on a max contract that you might not be thrilled about paying? Is he going to sign a shorter offer sheet with another team and force you uh, to have to deal with him as an unrestricted free agent a year or two sooner than you would hope? So there are a lot of questions still in the air, but Gore says he's confident, and I mostly think that's, well, what else is he supposed to say? But once again, he also said he'd be willing to pay the luxury tax to keep this team together. Doesn't mean he actually will pay it. Doesn't mean he'll have to pay it. We don't know what the CBA is going to call for. We don't know exactly what KCP is going to get in free agency. If he keeps having games like he did against the Clippers, it won't be much. It won't be the max contract or 20-plus million salary we've talked about. Uh, But I think we've seen enough from KCP where we know he's not going to keep having games like this. He'll have them occasionally. He goes through confidence issues and can get really cold offensively. But he'll, you know, so he'll have these occasionally, but these are not going to be his new normal or anything near that. So it's going to be expensive to keep him. Uh, the other thing Gore's addressed uh, was that the Pistons are making progress toward moving downtown. Uh, he put a timeline in the next few weeks. He said he, he thinks he'll know for sure. Again, it seems inevitable that the Pistons are going to be playing downtown. And the new Red Wings arena. I think a lot of people like that idea. I like that idea. Uh, but I am awaiting more development about who's going to pay for the additional costs. I don't like how the Red Wings arena was built uh, with the with Detroit taxpayers who don't have enough police, who have uh, failing public schools, how much money they put in for that. So I don't like participating in in this. It is not good for the Detroit economy, uh, at least the greater, the metro Detroit economy. Uh, it might move some money, some money from the suburbs into the city, uh, but that could you know be a problem in other jurisdictions, especially Auburn Hills, uh, if the palace goes empty. And it's, it's never almost never as much money as taxpayers put into the project. 
That's how all these arena and stadium deals have worked. They're a pretty big scam. I'm not a big fan of them, uh, but it does seem like the Pistons are going to to move out of the privately funded palace into a publicly funded arena in Detroit. For better or worse, it does feel inevitable, and now we have a timeline of it of a few weeks. And when it happens, when we get more details, we'll definitely be covering them on Locked On Pistons. We're going to be here every Monday through Friday during the season. You can follow on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Thanks for listening.